0: This is Nikki Bruno, as always, with the Epic Comeback Podcast, where warrior women who've gone through absolute caca give you advice on how to get to the other side of yours. Today, I am honored to have with me Carrie Rosno, who is, has a unique and incredible story. I can't wait for you to hear it. Carrie, thank you so much for being with me today.
1: Thanks so much. So good to see you. I appreciate it.
0: Awesome. So Carrie, I'm gonna give you the mic to introduce yourself. Um, please let us know who you are and where you're from
1: and what generally keeps you busy during the day. Okay, so again, I'm Carrie. I live in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, I, three kids, three dogs and a husband generally keep me busy. However, <laughs> outside of that, yes, outside of that, I, um, I actually do a lot of work as it pertains to uh, navigating women through their own stories. And working on trauma in order to be able to honor themselves and their past experiences as opposed to um, sitting in shame and uh, not having the ability to move to the other side, but to be able to honor, therefore, that they can create something different in the future. So that's really primarily what keeps me busy um, outside of family and all the other fun stuff that we get to do. That
0: sounds like a beautiful and wonderful combination that I can very much relate to, you know, having the kids and actually I don't have a husband and I don't have a dog, but I do have a cat. Um, And also helping people to move through and beyond trauma in a way that is, in a way that is positive. Yeah. Uh, I can very much relate to that. Um, So let me ask you this, Carrie, as you know, this is a podcast that is by and for, almost all women, a few men, who have gone through total caca, life-shattering experiences, trauma. Would you please summarize what you went through and what was the worst part?
1: Okay, so I've been through a lot of trauma. I've lived a life and I've had people involved in my life and uh, had lots of experiences. However, probably the most defining or knee-jerking moment for me was being in Boston in 2013 and at the finish line when the terrorist attack happened. Mm -hmm. I was in the med tent um, being attended to after having finished the marathon when the first bomb went off and then we looked around and then the second bomb went off. And so that was really an incredible, as you can imagine, incredible um, situation to find yourself in, in a moment where uh, security and stability was absolutely shaken. Um, you knew not the first, but the second. Once that second one went off, you knew exactly what was happening. Um, and so to be filled with fear in a body that was already taxed from having, um, you know, run the marathon in itself. And I think the thing that really. Um, brought the most significant thing for me out of the whole deal was the next day um, after having come out of the tent, uh, found my family after what was an incredibly long period of time. um, And uh, you know, walking the streets and seeing all of the fear was really the next day as we went back down to the area where everything had occurred and I was standing on a street corner and I had my jacket on because it's, you run a marathon, you get the jacket and then you wear it the next day. And so I had that on and a reporter came up behind me and he tapped me on the shoulder and he wanted to ask me questions about my experience and yeah. where I had been, you know, out of curiosity. And I turned my back on him and I walked away. And the reason why, and I remember this so clearly, is there was a voice inside of my head that said, it's not your story to tell. And I walked away. And what's fascinating to me is it felt so true in the moment. I don't know whose voice it was. Obviously it sounded like my own, but it felt so true in the moment. And I went home, we left on Tuesday and I was back at work on Wednesday. I kind of stepped back into life and metaphorically got up, brushed it off and kept moving. Um, And for me, that was the thing quite honestly that was the most detrimental to the entire experience and looking back on it now the reason why we have this it's not my story to tell is because throughout all of life we're always somebody has it worse right get up and brush it off Um, and for me in that moment I hadn't lost a limb my family had survived I wasn't Directly impacted which who even knows what that means right in that moment that the bomb went off And so I denied my own truth and I denied my own story, which then led to a development of multiple chronic illnesses um, including chronic Lyme's disease and Hashimoto's and Epstein-Barr and it was really this um, inability to acknowledge my experience and to allow the emotions and to be able to get through that in a way um, that allowed me to see that experience as my own so that I could move through it, as opposed to what I ended up doing was walking away from it, taking it and shoving it all in and, you know, putting on a happy face for everybody around me.
0: Wow. Wow. (laughs) Wow. but really really wow and the biggest wow for me i mean that, that is a that's a that's a that's a dramatic story that was a mm-hmm. very dramatic moment i was living just across the river from boston at that time and it and i i mean i certainly went through a lot of emotions during that time it was really awful and the biggest wow for me is the the depth of just the depth of meaning that yeah the depth of meaning in how you walked through and beyond the experience that, that you had in, in this very kind of true moment, hearing from inside yourself, it's not my story to tell. I mean, I'm, that resonates really deeply with me now, I'll say, because right now we're going through coronavirus and COVID-19 pandemic and quarantine and we're also going through a time of racial unrest and extreme racism and acts of violence against african-americans in this country and i have felt at different times about both situations hey is this my story to tell this isn't my story to tell like in the beginning of quarantine i kind of sailed through the first month and a half because i was like i'm healthy my children are healthy I already have an online business, so I didn't lose my job. And I just kept thinking about how privileged that I, how privileged I felt and how most people on the planet were suffering from COVID and quarantine more than I was. And so I had that feeling of like, well, I almost don't really even deserve to complain or talk about the inconveniences or the pain or the uh, frustration of this time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel that way a bit about uh, what's going on with George Floyd and with racism. I feel a little bit like, well, I'm a white person. I have never experienced, I have never experienced what people of color experience, Mm -hmm. and so I have that, you know, I kind of, I can relate to that too, like it is our story to tell as a nation, and it 's our story to tell as people who have dealt with discrimination and, and as people who are also part of the problem mm-hmm. um, but yeah i just ha- I just had to say that because it, because i really I really felt that while you were talking about your experience, and I, I just wanted to ask what was it that drew you back to the scene of the marathon on that day
1: well I, the first thing that drew me back I had to go back i mean we had uh, when I left the med tent they that there was another bomb. And so when I walked out and I looked to my left where everything was happening, I had an entire what I call line of yellow jackets, which were the volunteers start running at a high speed towards me and tell me to take off and run as fast as I could. And so I did. I mean, for life and death, I ran as fast as I could uh, to the only place that was deemed a safe place. Um, And so I didn't have a phone. I didn't have anything with me as I left. And so to try and navigate and find my family and not know where they were, where they had the finish line, what was happening. um, I had to, so the next day I had to go back for my stuff, like my phone and everything was down there. They kind of kept everything held and searched and looked through. Um, But I think also it was, uh, there was a curiosity. I was in shock. I think for moments, it was almost this unbelievable event that had happened. Um, And you wonder if, uh, like, where was I and what part of this? And part of it just becomes, um, as you know, when you navigate through trauma, part of it can just become void, almost. Um, And so for me to go back down and to see the streets and to see uh, the National Guard and the media and everything that had flooded in, I mean, it changed Boston in a moment. Um, and it was just a it was a it was just a humbling experience. It was something I needed to see, but I didn't acknowledge and that to me was really where uh, things kind of fell apart for me. Mm-hmm. And when i it took me a long time to even acknowledge that I had PTSD after that event. While I had all the signs and symptoms, you know, we have these um, definitions of what PTSD is or who suffers from that. It's like a category that's, you know, for a particular set of individuals. And um, really anybody who was in Boston during that event suffers from some form of PTSD because in that moment, everything was shaken. Uh, So to be able to acknowledge that and to sit in it in order to understand your experience, so that you can navigate through it, is really kind of where that magic happens. But I think because of shame and because of um, you know this inability to really honor the significance of who we are in any given moment, we kind of deny our own truth. And so, even as you're speaking about COVID and you know the um, everything that just everything that is happening in the world, we all have our own truth in it. We all have something within us that is either triggered, um, doesn't feel safe, and it's every single piece of it is to be honored and it is to be spoken about and it's to be navigated through in order for a collective healing within the world to happen.
0: I agree with you completely that individual healing as well as collective healing and I know from studying anthropology that there are cultures other than ours in the United States here where, that honor the collective just as much, if not more so, than the individual. Um, I know that there's a there's a there is a Native American tradition of um, thinking about depression, for example, as not being kind of an individual psychiatric or psychological illness, but more of a collective societal illness, and that it is everyone everyone in the community's responsibility to come together to heal someone's depression. And that it's, it's funny that th- what, what I'm thinking about as you're talking, um, let's though, let's, let's skip ahead though. Um, Carrie, because you're, you're speaking in the past tense and, you, and you're yes. also talking about how you help, you help people to get to the other side. And yeah, it really sounds like you're on the other side. So I'd like to ask you, in my opinion, it really takes a warrior to to come through trauma and to get to that other side. It takes warrior energy. If you're a mom, often it takes mama bear energy. Um, my question is, what is the best thing about being where you are now on the other side of not only that traumatic, certainly of, of surviving the Boston Marathon in 2013, but also just kind of being on the other side of, um, of trauma in general?
1: Well, you know, when I go back and I talk about honoring your truth, really at the end of the day, that is the most significant thing and the most impactful thing that has occurred to be able to look at any of your trauma and navigate through it and understand the reasoning for it, uh, to be able to learn life lessons or to really just be able to call it like just grab the gold out of it, right? There's just, there's always a piece of gold that sits within all of it. You got to be able to pull that little piece out. And when you do, you start to understand more of who you are. And the more you understand who you truly are, the truth that sits within you, the more that you can love yourself and accept yourself. And ultimately what it allows is it allows the world around you to shift in a way that is beautiful and beneficial and your relationships change, you honor yourself and you honor your truth, your job changes, your career changes, you really get to the point where without carrying the experiences of the past, you have the ability to create a new future, right? If I don't have those clogs and those emotions or those negative beliefs that are kind of sitting within that you know, I feel like are protecting me because I had this experience so I know not or what not to do, If I can just navigate that and move forward in a place of love as opposed to a place of fear, it just opens the entire world up. And that's what I have found for me. My whole life shifted and changed. My relationship with my husband completely changed. I sold my business, multi-million dollar agency um, and was able to like truly step into all of the passion and, and love and purpose that I knew I wanted to go after in this lifetime. And I was able to do it without fear. And that's the most beautiful thing.
0: I am shaking my head. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so in line with everything that you just said, everything that you just said. One of the things that I've learned and that I've started to say a lot is that there is treasure in trauma. Always. Sure, there's PTSD and sure, trauma can destroy people. I really mean destroy, right? But trauma is also an opportunity. Trauma also contains within it the seeds of our future and that that future can be brighter, brighter by many magnitudes than our past. And I'm so happy to hear that that has been true for you and also so happy to hear, and I see this as a theme in this podcast. I've now interviewed approximately 130 people and I especially notice, I especially notice among women who go through trauma, we have, it's like we have this instinct that draws us toward working with people who are going through trauma after we have come through it ourselves and helping to shepherd people along um, in the way that perhaps we, we were helped or we were shepherded along through, through in our trauma. It's just, it, it ha- I just, I see, it's almost like I see it happening everywhere.
1: Mm, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's about empowerment. You know, it's, it's giving women the understanding of the strength and the power that they have within themselves and empowering them to be able to look at what they have been through with this acceptance um, and beauty to know that they can create whatever it is that they want in the future you know my idea and what i share with the people i work with is we're creators period which means if i'm manifesting and i want something beautiful in my life then i may also be creating the things that i don't want in my life and so Mm -hmm. if i understand that i'm creating the things i don't want it gives me the power to create something different right because i'm no longer a victim to that circumstance i'm the creator of it And I think once we have the ability to see things from that perspective, which takes a little bit of work, right? You've got to clear out kind of that top layer. But once you have the ability to see that and then truly see the gift that has been to you, the more you can take that energy of beauty and love to create everything that it is that you do want in the future, because we are at the end of the day, these amazing, powerful, beautiful human beings that can create whatever it is that we want. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So another question I'd love to ask you, Carrie, is um, I have noticed that warrior women who have gone through some shit have a tendency to <laughs> have a tendency yes. to, try to like, find each other and travel in packs. So I'm wondering who are some other warriors like you who've gone through something rough and have had that epic comeback? Who might be good guests on my podcast?
1: No, well, I think just women in general are epic in themselves. There you go! (laughs) So much, so much that we just do not give ourselves credit for. Um, But I do have uh, two gals, Leah and Michelle in particular, who um, I'm just incredibly close with and do amazing things in this world, you know, as the, like you say, the after effect of having gone through kind of the crap that they've been through.
0: Awesome. Well, I will definitely follow up with you because I'd love to have have them on the show if they're interested. So really, this is the, this is the magical question of the podcast. And that is, what is one piece of advice or maybe two, if you could just really distill it down that you would give to our listeners that you would give to people who are going through absolute caca right now, how would you Mm -hmm. advise them or inspire them to get to that other side?
1: Well, I think first it is honor yourself in the moment for what exactly it is that you're going through and for the truth that you have in the moment. And then also honor yourself for the truth you had before getting into it. Our perspective changes, our understanding of the world around us changes. Uh, The me at five years old had a completely different understanding of the world than I do today. But I need to honor that five-year-old and what she went through without judgment, without shame, knowing that her decisions were based on something completely different than how I would base my decisions today. So it truly is an accepting of self and accepting in a way that you would accept your own children, right? By watching them navigate through their life and make decisions, just honoring them for where they are in any given moment to be able to do that for yourself is probably going to be one of the most healing things that you can do.
0: Incredible. And I'm going to play, not devil's advocate, not so much devil's advocate, but I'm sure there, I'm sure that I can imagine a few people listening to this and and saying, that's really beautiful, beautiful advice. How do I do that? How do I honor the five-year-old? How do I honor the person from just before the trauma began? Mm -hmm. How do I honor me now? So you mentioned that it's, that it's a process of acceptance, and it sounds to me too like it's a process of acknowledgement, mm-hmm. um, but if, if you could sort of kind of riff on that a little bit, what could I concretely do to show
1: myself that I'm honoring myself? So the first thing that comes up when you say that is to allow yourself space, give yourself time. Uh, find a quiet moment, allow a gap in your thoughts, right? So, um, and we think about doing that a lot in meditation, but if we can sit quiet with ourselves for just a couple of minutes and um, begin to ask yourself questions or accept yourself or send love to yourself, anything that you can do in those quiet moments um, is going to help to start cultivating that kind of experience for you. Um, Knowing that you carry all different aspects of you within you at all given moments. Mm -hmm. So, another thing that I'll tell people is, um, you know, if you're you're in a situation, if you're having a confrontation, if you're having an emotion that's coming up within you, ask yourself how old you are in that moment. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: How old am I right now? And that will start to show you the different pieces of you and how they are showing up in any given moment. And then if you can sit just in a quiet space, take a bath, you know, which I know is sometimes difficult for us busy moms. But even just a few moments before you go to bed and close your eyes and just ask that voice, ask that child in you to tell you what's going on. What is it that they need? It's everything within you is a conversation. There's no such thing as a random thought. There's no such thing as a Freudian slip. Everything is coming out or coming up in order to be healed. So if you can start acknowledging that and seeing that and just asking quiet questions um, in order to be able to discern, is this me in this moment? Or is this me when I was in high school? I think that definitely gives people a little bit different perspective and how to see things. Um, The last thing that I would probably recommend is just shift perspective. So if you're looking at a situation, I'll ask people a lot, okay, I want you to imagine that was your child, or imagine that's your best friend, or imagine, you know, that so-and-so. What would you want them to learn? What would you want them to experience or to see? Because sometimes taking ourselves out of the situation provides so much more clarity than we can see when we're in it.
0: What you just said, Carrie, that was gold. That was all gold. (laughs) Thank you so much. That was such real talk because it was specific and it was concrete. And what you said about allowing a gap in your thoughts, Mm. that's just, that's just genius. Allowing there to be a gap and being intentional about creating one. And I think I've had multiple people in my life, including coaches and a healer here and I personally
1: yeah. <laughs> try to get me into
0: a, a practice of meditation. and, and I know I've, I've studied and I know that meditation has such incredible po- such incredible benefits and I just haven't quite gotten there in my life. I, I'll get there. But, <laughs> but what you said about, about intentionally creating a gap in your thoughts, is so like, meaningful, not only because it can be hard to create a gap in our thoughts, but it can be even just hard to create without looking at our, our calendars and our schedules, mm. a gap in our craziness, a gap in the chaos, yes. a gap in the commitments, yeah. all of that kind of, you know, what it takes to create that change in perspective, whether mm-hmm. it's removing yourself from your home. I mean, I've been in LA within the same walls in quarantine for the last few months And I just this past weekend with my kids went to Tucson to visit my parents and it was like, it was like the world opened up again. It was, we just needed it so much. Just that change of perspective, just seeing another human being for the first time in months. And that kind of thing. So I hope you all are listening really well because a lot of what we talk about on this podcast and Carrie, a lot of what you're, you're talking about is very elusive to people. Mm. And hard for people to think about concretely or really grasp so that they know, okay, well, how do I take those steps to, to cultivate radical acceptance? How do I take those steps to honor myself and all of the parts of myself? Because you can say that, but to actually enact it and to actually do it is another thing that, I, that is challenging for a lot of
1: people. So true. So true. And I find, you know, just in that switch of the meditation, which is why I teach it the way that I do, it's that meditation becomes, it can be this, um, I don't know, overwhelming prospect of sitting down for 20 minutes or a half an hour and clear your mind and, you know, try a mantra. and I'm, I'm a mom and I have three children. And so, you know, to find quite honestly, time to go to the bathroom sometimes is a struggle. And so if we can just sit down and allow space, I mean, really meditation is just a practice of allowing space, right? So if you can allow just kind of a, like I say, a gap in the thoughts, it's amazing to me the kind of intuition or healing or different aspects that will come up that can be so incredibly beautiful and um, utilized to create such an amazing life.
0: The last thing I want to say about that is what kind of a good role model you are showing your kids that you are when you decide with them around even to take that gap, to take that moment. And I'm just, I'm going back to yesterday. We had gotten back from, you know, driving seven hours from Tucson and my kids were like, mommy, this and mommy, that and mommy, this and mommy, that. And I was like, guys, I'm unavailable right now. (laughs) I just drove (laughs) for seven (laughs) hours mommy needs a minute. Yeah. And they understood that as well. They should, because everybody needs a minute sometimes and mommy gets to have a minute too. So I think, I think it's uh, I think it's also an intergenerationally healthy
1: practice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the the best thing, the greatest thing you can do to honor somebody else is to honor yourself first. Mm. That's it.
0: Amen. Alrighty then. Well, so my last question is, it's more fun, Carrie, since we're all about being epic on this podcast, if you could have any
1: superpower, what would it be? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question because I feel like I have so many superpowers already, which is a a great gift, right, to um, have. I would say probably, um, I don't know, to uh, be able to travel um, instantaneously. Right. Oh my so just God, be able that. to like, I'm in LA and then I'm just in LA. <laughs> yeah. That would be my superpower, especially now.
0: <laughs> Seriously. Oh my goodness gracious. When are we going to get let out of our, I love that one. Love it. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. So Carrie, thank you so yeah. much for being my guest today. Where can we all find you and follow you and learn more about you?
1: So I am on Instagram, uh, at Carrie underscore Rosno. Um, I can always be reached via email at Carrie at Carrie Rosno.com. Um, and, uh, Facebook as well. My website's currently under construction, which is why I don't have that, um, quite out there yet, but that's where you can find me.
0: That is fantastic. So this is Nikki Bruno with Carrie Rosno, who is a total rock star. I loved this conversation. On the Epic Comeback podcast, for more information about staging an epic comeback in your life after going through a life-shattering experience, please visit theepiccomeback.com. Signing off for now.